if you get in, they'll make sure that money is not an issue. A switch flipped in my head and I went from thinking like, why bother to why not? Welcome everyone to season one of The Gritcast. Today, we'll be chatting with Cody Coleman about his story of overcoming seemingly insurmountable odds and his passion for changing the future of education. So without further ado, here's Cody. Hi, everyone. Welcome to The Gritcast, the show where we talk to trailblazers about grit, anti-fragility, and the journey it takes to get there. Today, I'm joined by Cody Coleman. He got his undergrad and master's degree at MIT. He's currently a PhD candidate studying computer science at Stanford. And he has a pretty incredible life story that was profiled by Angela Duckworth in her New York Times bestseller, Grit. So thank you so much for coming on, Cody. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So I thought we would start off with a pretty easy question. I mentioned that you're profiled in Grit by Angela Duckworth. How did you and Angela meet and what was it like working with her on her book? Oh, that's a great question. Um, it was actually, it was while I was back at MIT um, and I was doing my master's of engineering. Um, and basically what I would do is just because I had so many different things going on, trying to kind of finish up classes and do research. And I didn't know anything about research. So I'm trying to like figure out what does that even mean? Um, <laughs> I'd have very short lunches. I would basically go to the student center, grab like a Subway sandwich and then come back to my desk and eat that in about 15 minutes. So um, I would watch TED Talks while I ate. And um, one of the TED Talks I came across was, was um, the um, TEDx talk that Angela gave. And I was like about grit and I, and I just kind of was blown away. I was like, oh, I think that this really explains why I've been able to be successful. Like I did well at MIT and even getting into MIT in the first place. Um, I don't really consider myself to be uh, uh, like in, a gifted person in any sense. I don't think that I'm like that smart or like better than anyone else. Like I think I'm just like an average Joe. Um, but I do stick with things and I, I work very hard and I have these kind of goals that I pursue. So hearing her talk, it just really resonated with me. Um, so uh, being a, a researcher and being, I guess, at, at MIT, I kind of knew that like academics have like their personal web pages and emails. So I just um, decided like, why not? I'll just like go find her email and send her a message. And I was like, hey, uh, I just wanted to say that I loved your talk. Um, I think it really explains my life. Here's like a, a short two sentence blurb about me. And um, if there's anything that I can do to help, uh, like, please let me know. And I guess uh, that that like message I sent and I guess the, the, the two sentence blurb was that I was like born in prison and then I like I'm graduating from MIT with a 4.9 GPA, like really resonated with Angela and what she was doing. Um, so she like reached back out and, and immediately she reached out and we did a Skype call. Um, and, uh, then from there it's, she's almost, she's like a friend at this, this point. So I helped her out, um, with some interventions that she was doing. I recorded videos to talk with her students that she had, um, kind of in the Philadelphia area. And whenever I could be like helpful, um, I'm always like always there and willing to like jump at the chance. And then uh, when Angela was was writing this book about grit, she reached out to me um, and wanting to share my story as kind of like um, one of these examples like a um, uh, of of grit and kind of like uh, like what it can mean and like how it can kind of like change your life and how it kind of has this like huge impact. And I was like, yeah, you know, I think that is super amazing. I think that um, 
I think that's really important for people to realize, like it resonated with me and it gave me hope that like I could actually compete with all of these people because at MIT, right. And at, at any of these schools, I, I, I still remember being like, oh my gosh, like everyone here is from like the best schools and has, they have like the best background and way more resources than me. I like, don't like my family is like, I, I had to get like a, a ride to MIT from my boss, um, from my boss's parents at the local library because I couldn't, no one, like no one in my family could drive me up to MIT. Like I really had nothing. So um, I just, uh, I just really resonated with that, um, reached out to her and then uh, I think uh, try to help in every way that I could. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's quite the, the origin story of you working with Angela. Um, yeah. Two things I actually noticed from, you know, your response. First of all, love the fact that you cold emailed her and reached out of the blue. Uh, huge yeah. fan of cold emails. Actually, pretty much every job that I uh, got in college was the result of a cold email. So definitely a very powerful means to connect to people. Second thing is I actually didn't know that Angela was giving her grit TED talk before she had published her book. That's pretty fascinating. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the TED talk. Um, I mean, she's been working on this for so long mm -hmm. as well and just has like so much research that her TED talk and it was um, I think it was like eight minutes, six or eight minutes long. Um, but yeah, it's been out for a while and it just like so resonated with me. And also, I guess, in the space where I was just like going through all the most popular TED talks <laughs> when I stumbled across that um, really it was it was um, kind of it was yeah. epic. Yeah. Yeah, just a random aside, Cody, but I'm curious what your favorite TED Talks are. There's some pretty famous out ones out there. There's like, you know, Simon Sinek, Start With Why. There's that lady who gamed Tinder to get so many dates and found a husband off of that. Um, oh, yeah. What are some of your favorites? Yeah, yeah. I mean, both of those, I, I remember just from that like short description, and I love those TED Talks <laughs> as well. Um, I, I think I always gravitated towards TED Talks around education because ultimately that really resonates with me. So the ones that are immediately coming to mind are, um, I, I forget the name of, of people that gave these TED Talks, but there was one person talking about kind of like uh, the flaw of kind of like the, the educational system. It was a, a British person and I think he was knighted or, or something like that. He was like, sir, something. Sir, something, uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> which is probably like um, probably like 90% of, of England. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I remember this this TED talk like really well, just kind of talking about how kind of our educational system was not really like designed for um, the world that we have right now. Everyone was meant to be kind of like individual, like replaceable parts of some overall kind of system, which is like a company. But nowadays, like that doesn't make sense anymore. And like we haven't changed our educational system since like, I don't know, like the 1800s or, or whatnot. I'm not exactly sure of what the facts are. Um, but that talk really resonated with me. One, um, another one was uh, about um, uh, like a school in the cloud. It was this person that put like um, a computer and like a hole in the wall in this kind of like rural part of India. And then like, it was all in English and everything like that. And they didn't speak the language. And then like out of, out of nowhere, these students actually ended up being able to catch up once they had access to technology um, and were able to actually learn really hard co uh, concepts from like, how does like DNA or how does, how does like a, a cell divide and all of these kind of like really kind of crazy concepts. And we're able to perform as well as like the, the students that went to like really great schools and really great um, like primary schools. 
Um, and that really resonated with me um, just because of that whole progress. And then the other kind of uh, like critical point was um, he had this whole thing about like, um, basically like, uh, like, like, uh, like a, a grandmother cloud, like you just need to be like a champion for people and just be like curious and interested in the thing that they're learning. Right. And then they will then go and learn things. And I was like, man, you know, I really resonate with that. Like, I don't, I think, I think, um, quite often we think that having this impact and having this change in someone's life, uh, means a lot of work. Like it, we just like, we're, we're used to like working on such large projects, right? Like as a PhD student, I spend so much time on like, like research papers that you think that everything's going to be like that. And it's going to be a tremendous amount of effort, but like, you can just literally take like the, I think he said like the British grandmother approach and just like be interested in someone and just like listen to what they have to say. And it doesn't really require you to do that much, but it can actually have a tremendous impact on them um, and their confidence and just like them going forward. And that kind of segues into the other like Ted, um, TEDx talk that I really loved around <laughs> education, which was like very passionate about TED talks. Uh, yeah. Cody. <laughs> yeah, which, um, yeah, it was just basically another one about being a champion, you know, just being a champion for people and like almost that we don't need. Um, I, I wasn't going to say like, uh, I, I forgot exactly what it was, but it was just like as a teacher or as a person, just being a champion for someone else. And that's how like like mm -hmm. this teacher saw her students really succeed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I definitely want to chat more about that later on, about the power of education and the power of one's belief in you. Um, yeah. But yeah, these are all really great TED callouts. I'm going to have to link them in the show notes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but I'd like to rewind the clock a little bit, Cody. Um, yeah. So let's rewind the clock to when you were a young kid growing up in New Jersey. What was that experience of growing up in your hometown of Winslow? Yeah. I mean, growing up, like reflecting on kind of like where I'm at now and looking back on that position, it, it, it was just kind of small. You know, the world was just way smaller. Like the possibilities just seemed so like there, there was just like not that much that you could do. Right. Like I didn't see like my friends, my um, family, no one really went off and was like very successful or anything like that. So there was almost kind of this like, um, I don't know, just like fear or just um, complacency that a lot of people had, I think, kind of around me. Um, and then also just like in my specific kind of like environment um, of like my family growing up, I mean, it was just like, I, like no one cared, like uh, in the same way that no one cared about like their ultimate like success, no one cared about me, like specifically as well whether it be from like, uh, you know, my father leaving before I was born and then like my mom kind of basically, um, uh, well, she, she gave birth to me while I was in prison, but even um, after um, she, her charges were dismissed after a year, she came back, but she basically did not really care. She didn't care about any of her kids at that point or anything like that. And um, fortunately I had my, my grandmother and my grandparents that um, adopted me as well as uh, my other siblings. Um, but by that point, like my, my grandmother and my grandparents didn't really have that much money to give us or to kind of like really care for us. Um, and also I think like for better or worse, my grandmother had become kind of a, or my grandparents had become a little bit jaded based off of the things that they saw, you know, as far as like what was possible, like what had happened to kind of my older brothers and things like that. And I think that they had like a lot of fear about um, what was going to happen with me and, and um, in a sense, probably kind of 
um, tampered uh, or like uh, try to push down my ambitions a little bit um, when I was growing up because uh, because they 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 didn't think that was possible. And then and then having my my like biological mom who um, we always called Cookie, she uh, she really again did not care. Like she had pets and animals and everything like that, which um, I was allergic to. She had cats and dogs and I'm, I'm allergic to cats and dogs. So I was oh, sick no. every single day. So it was just kind of um, an unbelievably like miserable life with like kind of like no outlook or like there just didn't seem that many like possibilities to me. Um, but it was just like so miserable that I, I wanted to escape. Um, and like even reflecting back, I feel like I was almost like shutting down as like a person because it was just like so much like negativity and just so much like kind of like darkness every single day, um, which is the complete opposite of how I am now. You know, even on like my worst days, I'm like, wow, you know, this is like amazing. And like my future is bright. Whereas like back then, even on my best days, my futures look uh, my future looked bleak. So um, it's completely there's a like looking back on that life, it was completely different and um, just demoralizing, you know, it's just like, mm. like, like, what do you, what do you do? Mm -hmm. Yeah. When you, when you speak about not even knowing what the possibilities are to you, and it sounds like your, your grandparents tempered your expectations as a way to protect you almost um, that, that really resonates. I mean, I'm not good. Like my story is far different than yours, but I can relate in not seeing many examples of, you know, now I work in tech and I'm very active in the startup and entrepreneurial world, but yeah. I definitely didn't see any examples of that growing up, you know, yeah. coming from a first generation immigrant family, you're really taught that the trifecta is doctor, lawyer, engineer. And I'm like, yeah. well, doctor seems to make the most sense right now, but I was never super passionate about it. Um, yeah. But, but anyways, all that to say, like, yes, you're, you're, you know, you're, the examples you see around you when you're young are so important. And the fact that you may not have seen, um, you know, the examples of what you hope to do. Um, I'm sorry to hear that. But, but you know, you're in a, you, you've definitely overcome uh, a lot of those obstacles. So I'm also infinitely so proud of your journey. Um, but I'm skipping a little ahead here. Um, so I know that you, you know, in grit, you talk a lot about how school was a safe haven for you. Do you yeah. mind expanding upon that a little bit more? Yeah, yeah. So school was literally a, a, a breath of fresh air. As I, as I said, like my, 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 my mom, Cookie, she basically had all these cats and dogs. So I was like sick at home. And like literally my only escape was basically going to school to like actually be able to breathe and not be around all these animals and all these uh, kind of like things that were making me sick. Plus like the mental aspect of my house, because it was just like my grandmother and like cookie, like fighting all the time when like police get called all the time. It was just like a constant source of chaos. So school for me was like just this one place where, you know, I didn't have to think about that in a sense. And I could like kind of bury myself and think about like other things and, and it was just, uh, it was an escape for me. Plus like, um, it was also like, a, like a, a free meal, you know, like I grew up like, like in poverty my entire life, like on, on food stands and welfare, um, kind of my entire life, which like, uh, for better or worse, my uh, cookie was maybe not the, the best person at managing this. She would buy a lot of food at the beginning of the month. And then by the end of the month, it's like, oh, <laughs> there's like not really anything left to eat. But, um, yeah, like having like even pizza and stuff like that uh, was just uh, and like having school lunch and free lunch at school was 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 huge. Um, and then later on, you know, 
uh, I think that kind of started to get noticed a little bit more. I think as originally, like if you look back um, in like elementary school and stuff like that, all of my teachers said that I was a very shy kid. I was very closed off from like just um, from people and just kind of expressing myself. And like, I just didn't have confidence. And I think that's partially just, again, because of the, the environment that I grew up in, both with just kind of like the constant chaos and also like not having encouragement from my, my family in any way. Like um, I'm, I'm similar to you in that I'm also really interested in entrepreneurship and, and startups now. Um, but I remember very vividly, uh, I remember very vividly telling my grandmother that I was like, oh, you know, one day I want to start my own like company or my own business. And she, she like, she said like literally no hesitation. She was like, they'll never let a black man start his own company. And like, mm. just as soon as I shared the stream, she's like, nope, that's not possible. You know, it's like, mm. it's not going to happen. Like move on to something else. Like it's, you're not, mm. you're not going to do it. Um, and like, again, like, and I think that's for a lot of reasons, you know, I think like, especially kind of thinking about her life and then also what she saw with kind of like my brothers and things like that, it kind of makes sense. Um, and that's, I mean, part of my motivation now is to change that and to show that like you can be successful regardless of where you come from. But um, yeah, from, from that kind of being very closed off, I think um, the, the great thing about my, my high school was that they had a lot of great teachers that, that cared and kind of went that extra mile. So um, like it, in particular, like there is, there is two teachers, both um, my, my teacher, my trigonometry teacher, Chantel Smith, um, who is basically kind of my like unofficial adopted mom now that like kind of took care of me from getting my braces like removed because uh, my brother had gotten custody of me and like we, uh, but he's like not super organized. So he got braces for me, but then stopped taking me to the appointments. And then the dentist was like, or the orthodontist was like, I'm not going to like see him because you owe so many like charges for like these canceled appointments. Um, and she came in there and she like, she noticed that my braces were like literally falling apart. Like brackets mm. were like missing and stuff like that. And she's like, pulled me aside after class. And she's like, Hey, Cody, like, like what, like what's going on with your braces right now? I'm like, told her the whole story and she just like sprung into action and then from there it was just like everything from like me going to driving school so that I could get a job and like now um, whenever I go back home to New Jersey I, I stay um, at her house with her family um, and she just treats me like one of her kids you know mm -hmm. um, and then there was my other teacher Norm um, Norm Ingram who I didn't even have as a teacher I just um, because of some scheduling thing my AP statistics class senior year was in his tv production room and it was his like kind of prep period so he just was like passively in the background but kind of just I, like paying attention to the student during his prep period of like oh man this guy seems like really smart he's very nice um, he has a great attitude and then to see that i got into like mit and all these places he's like i want to make sure that this person succeeds knowing that like you know there's not that many people like from from like from my town and where we grew up or like from my background that actually end up succeeding or have these examples. So, um, and then there's so many more, I mean, as far as like um, the teachers in my high school, it's doing like little things that they could kind of um, uh, to, to help out. Mm, that is, that is so powerful. I mean, teachers are uh, like a teacher's belief in you is honestly so powerful. I mean, they are, when we're young, they are the adults we interact with the most outside of our, our home. And if yeah. anything, it can like their uh, opinion can be even more powerful than parents because we have that, you know, inherently rebellious nature. And so 
um, that is that is so powerful that they invested in you and they believed in you at such a young age. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask, you know, Cody, it sounds like you've gone through a transformation in so many ways. Earlier, you mentioned that you were a very shy kid growing up. And now, you know, you're a lot more, it seems like outgoing, <laughs> doing podcasts, spreading your message. <laughs> so there's definitely been a change in personality, if you will. Um, but also, uh, from your story, in past interviews, I've heard, you know, you weren't super confident about your academic skill set. So do you mind reflecting on how that you know, personality change or that confidence change rather um, in both your personality and academics came about? Yeah, you know, I mean, that's a great question. It was something very gradual and it kind of happened over time. Like thinking about the academic thing, you know, I'm a computer science PhD student at Stanford now, but I, I remember in my high school, um, when I took a, a computer science class, there was a college prep and then there was an honors class. And I was like, oh man, computer science is so hard. There's no way that I can like keep up with honors. So I just like signed up for the college prep class of it. Um, but I like fell in love, you know, I like did all the assignments, I did all the extra credit and I was like two weeks ahead of everyone else in the class. And then like the teacher like kind of pulled me aside afterwards and he's like, hey, like, you're doing all the work for, for honors computer science. Like, I'm just gonna change it and like the schedule so you get credit for honors, but like, yeah, like just this, like you're, you're doing it all anyway. And I, I think that kind of gave me confidence um, initially and I kind of um, got over that barrier where I was like, there's no way that I'm gonna be good at computer science. Like, I don't know anyone that's like good at computer science. Like, I don't, like, I don't have the background or there's no like software engineers or anything like that in my family, mm -hmm. which is probably like a crazy thing to like say in the Bay Area, you know, like people are like used <laughs> to software engineers walking around everywhere. I know uh, every third person you bump into they're you know, definitely software. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and, and there, there was nothing, you know, I didn't even know what you could do with computer science. Like I didn't, I didn't even know that MIT was a thing, honestly, until I was like looking at like colleges and I was like, until I found out that you could major in computer science. And I was like, Oh, what's like a good school for, for computer science. Um, but kind of building off of that, um, I think there is this kind of, um, and actually I think of the TED talk, um, some of the other TED talks, this idea of a champion, you know, I think also with like my teachers, like, like Chantel as well, kind of like, like, like telling me that I was like really good at math and that I was doing like really great in her class. Similarly in physics, uh, I remember having uh, this physics teacher, Mr. Schweitzer, and uh, I just would like, do everything, all the assignments and whatnot. Um, I get like hundreds on all the exams and he's like, oh man, this kid's like kind of like ridiculous. So I think just kind of <laughs> all of that helped. Um, but then, I mean, getting to MIT, I, uh, I, I definitely had imposter syndrome. I was like, oh man, what have I gotten myself into, you know? Same thing when I, when I went to university, but keep going. Yeah, no, totally. Like, it's like, like, you're competing up against the best people in the world, best people in the world. Like how, how are you going to be able to do this? And um, I think I use that kind of insecurity to just take like, to have no humility or maybe um, to have no shame and actually using the resources that were available. So I went to office hours. I asked questions. I like, like, I think there was tutoring services that were offered through like the honor society at, um, at MIT. And I was like, I'm going to sign up for everything and I'm really going to put kind of like my effort, like all of my effort into doing this and, um, and just like being able to like kind of, um, handle the classes and handle the coursework. And, um, 
I mean, admittedly, like even coming out of MIT, like there was always this still dread that like, you know, I could just be a failure, you know, like, like, what does it mean? Like, I, I'm not going to have like job security or, or anything like that. Like, I remember when I had my first job out of college, um, before I started the PhD, I worked for a bit and I, I was like afraid to like buy a couch. I was like, I just need to like save all this money. And like, like Chantal, I remember telling me like, Cody, like you need to buy a couch for your apartment. Like, <laughs> like what are you doing? I'm like, it's so much money. I could just like get some like pillow, like, like cushions or something like that. And you could sit on the floor and I got like a coffee table for free. I was like, you can just do that for like a dining room table. But there was always this kind of thing. Like with that job, I was like, man, you know, like this could something could change like that. And then all of a sudden I could be basically back out. Like I could be like my, my, like mom, just like a nomad mm -hmm. living on the streets, homeless. And uh, I should just save every penny that I have. have. Um, I think kind of maybe finally I'm starting to like realize that like I have some job security with like a, a, a degrees from MIT and Stanford mm -hmm. and um and having done well kind of in all the things that, I, that I've done before but I think I still like struggle with this imposter syndrome even when I think about like next things I'm like man like there's no way that I'm like qualified to do that thing um but I guess maybe the same mentality that I had for for high school and also with like Angela Duckworth where I'm like you know like you gotta try like mm -hmm. <laughs> might as well like like toss your hat into the ring and see what happens you know and like I'm already prepared for it not to work out. So like anything beyond that is kind of like a huge, huge success. Mm -hmm. um, so that I guess was like academic confidence and then social confidence. Um, I just realized like at the beginning of MIT that like no one else, no one else from my high school or no one that knew the old version of me was there. So I could be any person that I wanted in a sense. And I was like, who, like, who is the person that I would ultimately want to be? And I would want to be kind of like um, able to communicate and to kind of get out of the shell so that I could talk with people. Because ultimately, I think you could be the smartest person in the world, but if you can't communicate, it doesn't matter, right? Like you're not going to have an impact. And I think that's something that's like always resonated with me and like why, why I like computer science to begin with was the fact that like you could have such a huge impact with so few resources, like all you need is a computer and an internet connection and you can build something that will affect the lives of thousands millions or billions of people around the world which is crazy you know yeah, like the scaling effect like the scaling factor of software is just absolutely bananas yeah yeah and it's just yeah so i just like that whole kind of aspect of and communicating right like you could build the best thing you could like have a cure for cancer and if you don't tell anyone about it like what's the point so um i think that forced me to get kind of um more social and more comfortable talking with people. Well, first of all, I mean, Chantel sounds absolutely incredible. I mean, I need a Chantel in my life, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> um, and also, you know, you you mentioned that there, there's been these people who have really fundamentally changed your life in the academic space, but also you had this very touching moment where with your brother when you talked about um, even before MIT, wanting to go to certain colleges and your aspirations there. Reflect on that moment and what did that mean to you? Yeah, so my my oldest brother, Sean, he's 18 years older than me. So, um, and in, in many ways, he, I mean, he went through everything that I did and more. So when he got to 18, he was just like, I'm, I'm done. I'm done with this family. Like, I'm going to go as far away as I possibly can to get away from this. 
Um, so I, I really honestly did not know him growing up. I, 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 we, he maybe came by the house like once or twice. Um, so it wasn't until I was in kind of middle school that I think he had kind of settled down in his life. Um, he had a partner. He was living in Virginia Beach at the time. And I think he was in a place where he had the capacity to actually go back and to help out and try to like, try to fix all the messed up things that were going on in our family um, and hopefully help like um, the, the, his younger siblings. So me and, and my other brother, Shannon. Um, so he came back and uh, kind of uh, connected and I went down to visit him in Virginia and like got to see kind of the life that he lived and the fact that he kind of came from the same background as me and was able to actually do this. Like he was actually able to like, afford toilet paper you know like he he didn't have to go to like steal stuff from mcdonald's you know he also he got me my first pair of glasses which like was literally eye-opening i was like whoa you can see the tops of trees like this is beautiful (laughs) yeah it's like and and i'll i'll never forget um yeah this this moment when i i think it was my freshman year after my freshman year of high school um, it was another summer. I was going to go down for a few weeks to visit him. And we were driving in the car. He came up to pick me and we were driving back. It's like a seven hour drive. And he he's like asking, like, like, what do you think about like, where do you want to go to college? And I was like, well, you know, like, I, I would like to go to a good school and like being from New Jersey, I thought of Princeton, but immediately I was like, there's no way that like, there's no way that they're going to accept someone like me. You know, like there, I don't know anyone that has gone to Princeton. There's no one around. There's no way. Right. Um, and like, even if I could get into a place like that, like who's going to pay for it? Like, we don't have any money. Like we don't, we can't buy toilet paper, you know, like how are we going to pay for like tens of like hundreds of thousands of dollars for me to go to school? And that's where he kind of like challenged me. And um, I guess kind of he, he said, he said, like, what are you talking about? You know, like you're doing well in school, like you're getting good grades, like you have a, a chance of getting into those places. And like, if you get in, they'll make sure that money is not an issue. And, and for me, that's when um, uh, a, a switch flipped in my head and I went from thinking like, why bother to why not, you know? And I think that's kind of that mentality that I have to this day where I'm like, you know, like, I don't think that I can do this thing. Like, I didn't think that I was going to get into PhD programs in computer science. And even though I got, got in, I didn't think that I was actually going to be able to graduate, which knock on wood, I should, I should graduate this spring. <laughs> um, but just that mentality of just being like, you know, just just why not, you know, just like send that cold email to like Angela, send that, like, like apply for this, this, this school, um, do all these different things because you never know, you know, it might be a small chance, but um, it adds up, you know, and like things will eventually work out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so Cody, going through these experiences, you know, this beautiful story of overcoming from a small town in New Jersey to studying at some of the top universities in the world, of course, I'm biased, go trees. <laughs> and also working at leading tech companies like Facebook and Google. So as you, you know, you mentioned you're graduating in the spring, early congratulations on that, by the way. Thank um, you. What are, what are you hoping to do afterwards uh, with your PhD or with your, your story and platform? Yeah. So, I mean, my overarching goal um, is to just demonstrate and to like 
and to show people that regardless of where you come from, you can be successful. And success means a lot of different things. Um, it can mean like academic success and, and that kind of aspect of it. And the PhD is kind of one pillar there. Um, I think there's also maybe like business or financial success in a mm-hmm. sense. Um, and then there's also like, let's say like um, maybe platform or kind of like social impact that you could have as well. And um, for success and kind of my overarching goals kind of align with that. So. I mean, my goal for after the PhD is to, to start a company. That's like kind of the, the route that I want to go down of like entrepreneurship and thinking back to like um, what my grandmother said, just really like kind of demonstrating that, like being a counterexample to that, you know, so that like people don't hold this in their, their mentality that, or in their, in their mind that they can't be successful because of X, Y, and Z, that they can actually be successful and that people that look like them can actually be successful and can create these, these, these companies. Um, so that's kind of the most immediate thing that I want to do post the PhD. And then, um, I don't know, eventually down the road, like there's, there's a part of me that wants to run for like president of, uh, of the United States, but, uh, that I, I luckily have some decades until I have to worry about that, but, uh, <laughs> that'll be a whole new challenge, you know, I don't know these candidates be, be getting younger and younger each year. Um, yeah. so who knows, who knows? Yeah. Um, who knows? that is quite incredible though, the, you know, coming from a background where people closest to you were telling you to reach lower and you saying, no, I'm going to fight that. I am going to achieve whatever dream I want to be. I'm going to shoot for president of the United States. Um, that is, that is so powerful. Um, and that's just such a full circle journey. Let's say that in an alternate universe, you're speaking to a younger version of yourself. You're speaking to that kid who was growing up with your, you know, with cookie, with your grandma in this, uh, you know, harsh environment, what would you say to that person? Yeah, I would say, I mean, first off that, like, this is temporary, you know, it doesn't have to be permanent. Like, things can get better. And like, the way that like, things get better is one, working hard is critical and super important. And then I think you also need to fundamentally value others, you know, like I think like I would not be where I am today had it not been for the tremendous amount of help that I received from so many great and amazing people. And if I had been like not um, nice um, is maybe a polite way to say it to like people or I just had this kind of thing like against people or felt like I don't know, like I like. I I think fundamentally, you also need to realize that everyone, like, you never know who's going to be like value or the impact that they'll have in your life or the impact that you'll have in their life. And I think that just this kind of mentality of being like positive, realizing that people are good, like I fundamentally believe, despite all the craziness that we see kind of every single like day and whatnot, I believe that the vast majority of people are good people. You know, I think that we're like people are trying to do the things they're trying to be good people in a sense. And I think um, sometimes people can get kind of maybe a little bit jaded or maybe they can be like um, there's maybe a superiority complex or something like that. So I'd also like encourage kind of like to be open and even like thinking about me as a kid, you know, um, there was a part of me that, that was uh, before I had met Chantel and before I had met kind of like similar people, 
that it was like, you know, I'm very much on my own. Like there is no one else that really cares that like is really there because everyone else that was important in my life left, you know, my dad left, my mom left. And even unfortunately, like my older brother, Sean, he went through some things in his life and he kind of like disappeared as well um, at the end of high school. And there was just like, man, like this is the only thing, uh, the only person that I have that I can count on is myself. Um, But I I would say like, no, really, like really invest in other people like you never know what's going to happen in either direction, how things are going to be impactful to one another. Um, so those are, those are maybe the two things of, again, like mm-hmm. kind of get better, um, work hard and like be a good person. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. I love the fact that you, you realize that hardship, to, hardship is often temporary. And I also share that belief that I think that people are fundamentally good. And the fact that you, you mentioned, you know, people become jaded. Um, of course, everyone f- can feel that way. I catch myself uh, veering towards that sometimes. But also, I remember it's easy to be jaded. It's easy to be pessimistic. What's much harder, what's much more noble is remembering there's, there's good in everyone um, and trying to, to root for people's better, better angels. Yeah. Um, so I, I love those lessons. And I'm glad you get to share them with, you know, your imaginary younger self and also the audience out here as a whole. Yeah. So final question for you, Cody. What does grit mean to you and how can the audience practice more of it? As an example, grit to me is a simple phrase. When the world gives you a heavy load, don't wish for a lighter burden, but a stronger back. So same question to you. What does grit mean? And also how can the audience practice more of it? Man, I, first off, I want to say that I really love like your meaning there. Um, I also used to like (laughs) weightlift and like power lift. So I can yes. also very much relate to, to having a heavy weight on your back and just mm-hmm. wanting a, a stronger back. Oh gosh, Cody, um, Cody, we have to talk about that another time. Cause I'm a huge, you know, fitness fanatic, but that's for another conversation. <laughs> yeah. Um, to me, I believe that that grit means hope and potential. Um, both kind of internally, like knowing and thinking about yourself that like, if you have some goal and you kind of like work towards it, you can actually make that kind of a, a reality, you know, even in thinking about like starting a company now, it, 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 it's almost kind of insanely realistic in a sense. Like it kind of blows me away that I was like, whoa, you know, like I'm in the center of Silicon Valley. Like this can actually happen. This can actually be a thing that happens. Um, so I think one, again, the, the hope and potential that you have for yourself. And I think the other thing that's really important is to realize that there's this um, hope and potential that other people have. You know, I think one thing that just as a society and like what I always kind of think about is, is just that we undervalue people. You know, we don't invest in people enough. And I think that if we imagine, like, imagine every other person, like all the other Cody's that are out there that are not at Stanford right now, you know, that's like such a huge waste and potential. Um, And if we just kind of like capture that and help that, like that person grow, help them find the thing that they're passionate about such that they can like kind of push towards it and help them develop this kind of like mentality in a sense, I think we would be, I I would, I would want to live in that society. And just, I think it would be amazing. Like the things that we would accomplish would be amazing. So to me, I think grit is both is hope and potential both for oneself as well as like when we think about others and what people can achieve. That's amazing. The message that this, this 
beautiful, positive version of grit. Um, that's all about being hopeful and seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. That is incredible. Um, and also, if you have any insight to this or practical tips, how can the audience practice more, more grit, in their, especially this hopeful grit in their lives? Yeah. Yeah. So I... So thinking about this kind of duality that I have in mind for, for grit, both internally and then externally for, for, other, for other people, um, I think internally, um, internally, like the way to maybe build grit is kind of like start small and with these like small accomplishments and things like that. Um, because ultimately, right, like I didn't, I didn't know what a PhD was. Like, I didn't know that that was a thing that I could deal um, when I was growing up. I didn't, no one in my family had a PhD, let alone a college degree. Um, so just starting with like much smaller things, you know, like it might be like, oh, I want to get like a better grade in this class or I want to do well at this thing or whatever, whatever it is. And kind of internally building that confidence in a sense of like, hey, you set a goal and you accomplish that goal. And it can be a really like super small goal. But like seeing that, um, I think can help you kind of go back to that and, and kind of motivate you to do this next thing. I actually um, really love this analogy or this like kind of um, mental picture from David Goggins where he talks about a cookie jar. And when you think about kind of like the hardest kind of obstacles that you've had to overcome in your life to accomplish something like, like that, like put that in your like cookie jar. So then when you're doing something really, really tough going forward or like you're in some really big challenge, you can always reach back into that. And I think that that is like actually a very powerful thing to stay kind of motivated and to stay dedicated and to stay confident in yourself. And then um, kind of thinking about externally, how can you actually help other people with grit and like being successful? I think be a champion, you know, be someone that listens, be like Chantel, you know, like notice people, like kind of pay attention to them. I think often in our lives, you know, we get so busy with a project that we're working on or let's like, or whatever project we're working on um, that we, we forget about all these moments that happen all like every single day, all the time where we have the opportunity to have such a huge impact by just saying something, you know, or just listening. And, and I think that that I would really encourage like kind of everyone in the audience to do is just to like actually like listen and to take a, take a moment to realize that maybe the person that you're talking to at like a coffee shop or the student or, 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 or whatever it might be is a, a person that is and a good person and that there is some potential and um, that, that they could have, you know, and that you could be kind of a, the key, like in the sense that Chantel or my brother or anything like that um, can, can kind of unlock that potential. Mm. Well, that, that was such an uplifting thing to hear Cody and my new mantra in life is going to be what would Chantel do? So <laughs> <laughs> going to try to navigate my life with, uh, with that maxim in mind. Um, so final thing I want to say is just, uh, I want to acknowledge you, Cody. I want to say thank you for, you know, the bravery it takes for being, being vulnerable and sharing your story, your incredible resilience that's inspiring so many people out there, um, and also your desire to give back and pave the way for so many others. So thank you so much for both your time and your story, Cody. I can't thank you enough for coming onto the podcast. Oh, thank you. And it was a pleasure. Like, yeah, absolutely. thank you for giving me the opportunity to, to be here and to share my story and hopefully um, inspire a few. Absolutely. Others. So to close us off, where can the people find you, Cody? And uh, how can the Gritcast community be helpful to you? Oh, man. You know, I'm really bad at, at social media in a sense. <laughs> um, 
So I don't or know, maybe I guess, it's like I don't, I don't want people to find me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I have a website, and I guess it's my academic website, so it's not particularly good. Awesome. And, uh, maybe Twitter or anything like that. I always okay. love. Um, a few people have sent me kind of like nice emails or messages on whatever platform it, um, they they happen to like find me on, and um, I always find those nice messages to be um, uh, super encouraging and super motivating to me that that this is having an impact and that that other people are inspired and and just also what our future is going to be like you know if we have all these people that are like suddenly excited and like see this potential um i think that's going to be amazing for for the society that we kind of like live in in the future well you heard it here folks uh, if you have you know if the story resonated with you then please feel free to send cody lots of love um, and thank you notes um thank you so much again cody Thank you all so much for tuning into this episode of The Gritcast today. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe so you can get all the latest episodes delivered fresh off of the press. You heard that right, fresh off the press. Also, please leave us a rating and review wherever you're listening. It really helps our show get discovered by new listeners, and it's also great feedback on how I can continue delivering world-class content. Finally, if the show resonated with you, please consider sharing it with your friends or larger community. All right, that's all folks. Stay gritty and stay humble.